Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am Pittsburgh Current Editor and Publisher, Charlie Deach, and thank you for joining us today here live from Sorgatron Media in the heart of the beautiful Beachview Business District. Uh, the new issue of the Pittsburgh Current is on the streets this week. It's our football issue. We've got uh, 10 burning questions on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have uh, Jody DePerna takes a look at the uh, what the Pitt Panthers are expected to do this year. And um, we also have a couple of changes, programming notes that I think you'll, you'll want to check out. First, I want to say that I'm very sad that our political columnist, Ariana Berenger, um, she, first of all, we will, we first want to say we're very happy for her. She is the executive director of Veterans Affairs. She recently was named that at uh, University of Pittsburgh. So it's a great opportunity for her. Uh, unfortunately for us and for our readers, that means that she will no longer be able to write political columns for the for the Pittsburgh Current. But this week we do debut new political columnist Kieran Young. Many of you will know Kieran as the uh, uh, candidate for District Nine City Council last year. He's been around. Um, he's been a district committeeman for years. He's uh, he's been around political scenes. Uh, for a long time. So uh, check out Kieran's new column. Um, and we also debut this week um, a new fact check column that we're going to be having uh, uh, each uh, print issue by David D'Angelo, um, co-founder of two, the blog Two Political Junkies. So we're very excited about uh, bringing those folks on board. Um, and then also I want to remind you that we have six days left for our Kickstarter for Rob Rogers to bring back Brood on Grant and also to keep local cartoons, uh, our local cartoons in the Pittsburgh Current. Um, there's six days left and um, we're starting to gain some momentum. I guess these things always sometimes kick in at the, in the last week. So anything you could do to help there to help support local cartoonists and to support uh, Rob Rogers and bring and keep political cartooning um, alive and well in, in media is uh, we would appreciate any help you could give. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, a very serious topic, and also one that is that um, everyone is talking about, which is um, which is immigration issues. In particular, we're going to be talking with uh, with us today is Laura Perkins, the emergency response emergency response coordinator with Casa San Jose, and um, she. We're going to be talking about um, how these things are affecting residents in Pittsburgh. Laura, thank you for thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, let's start off for some of our, some of our listeners who might not be completely, um, in tune with what, uh, your organization does. Tell us a little bit about Casa San Jose and what, what your mission is. Sure. Uh, Casa San Jose was founded in 2013, uh, by sister Janice Vanderneck, who is a sister of St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. Uh, she'd been working with the Latino and Latina community, uh, for about 10 years beforehand. And she just saw a need, uh, for support services specifically with the undocumented community here in Pittsburgh. Uh, so, uh, so ever since uh, she started working them, we, we've grown. Uh, we've, we're still here in Beachview. Yeah. We're ha proud residents, uh, or at least our offices. Um, and yeah, we provide social services. We have caseworkers. Uh, we have youth programs. Uh, we have um, a community organizer. And then we also have just really connect... Um, residents with uh, resources so that they can live their lives independently without fear. 
and what sort of what is the um how has the how has the the uh the the latino community in pittsburgh how has that sort of grown over the years and we do see a, a lot of that population is living here um in beachview in the south hills and and what is that um what what percentage of that population is undocumented and thus facing a lot of these issues yeah, uh, so Pittsburgh has had uh, a Latino community for a while, <laughs> since it's been yeah. Pittsburgh, uh, yeah. probably. Um, but yeah, recently we've been see- seeing more arrivals. Um, we have, compared to other cities, we have a pretty small and pretty new uh, Latino population. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they um, develop roots here and connections and uh, community, uh, we see second, third, fourth generations as well, but there's still new arrivals. So um, there's yeah. a rich mix in pittsburgh so let's i mean it's it's we there are obviously there are um there are lots of uh, there are lots of topics surrounding the immigration issue but the one that happens to be of course taking up a lot of attention and and probably rightfully so is the issue with um the raids by uh ice the immigrations and customs enforcement uh arm of the government um are we seeing – I used to cover uh, – in a former life, I covered immigration issues under when it was the INS and mm. the uh, indefinite detention um, so back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I covered that very heavily. Um, and so how have we how – have how, have, how have we changed from the – because the INS never had a great reputation. And now here we go. We have ICE. What, how, have, how has our immigration enforcement – arm sort of changed over the last decade or so yeah there's, there's a lot to talk about yeah. right um so uh there were a lot of reforms in 1996 um along with uh, uh president at the time clinton's um criminal justice uh policies where they detained a lot of black and brown people yeah. on um pretty minimal charges uh especially related to drugs um so along with that came um more strict uh, immigration uh, policies and then, of course, the creation of the Department of Homeland Security after 9/11 completely restructured yeah. uh, how the United States uh, deals with immigration, kind of more um, logistically and um, just through the government. Um, I do want to say, kind of going way back, is that um, the U.S.'s immigration policy is uh, founded on white supremacy. Uh, so the the first uh, border patrol, I'm using air quotes. Yeah. Um, was uh, white supremacists along the U.S.-Mexico border, and it and it's really telling that it's really it was really only on the U.S.-Mexico border because there are brown people down there, and there aren't brown people on the U.S. or you know like coming in through the um, border with Canada. And so I just wanted to say that um, it was founded on white supremacy, and that had that hasn't really left uh, the policy. Um, you see that people immigrants of color are being um, arrested at much higher rates, and that continues to grow with every year, um, the, this disparity. Yeah. Um, Europeans are not really targeted, and the biggest uh, people who are here, uh, quote-unquote, illegally, are actually uh, people that are overstaying visas, um, which aren't typically uh, people from Central America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so the 1996, there was a big change, um, and then, of course, the Department of Homeland Security kind of brought various um, efforts together under one umbrella organization, um, and then, of course, um, more recently, under the Obama administration, um, they st- the, the rates of uh, detentions went 
way up mm-hmm. under the Obama administration, which a lot of people don't know. Right. Um, and then now um, with the Trump administration, I mean, everyone knows the sweeping changes. It's, yeah. it's hard for me to keep track. Sure. And that's my job. Like every day, it's a new change. So, um, I mean, everything from keeping kids in changes to um, changing um, what type of person can get a visa or a green card, which is now um, only wealthier people. So it's not only discrimination of people of uh, based on skin color, it's also based on their ac- right. economic uh, abilities to provide for, for themselves, which is a little silly considering how pretty much everyone here that isn't a Native American or a slave, uh, a lot of the families came over very poor. Right. Right. I know that my uh, ancestors did, yeah. and I think a lot of people's did, but now we see um, that being targeted as well economically. Um a lot of changes under the Trump administration, which would take yeah. a long time to get into. But that, that, that was a long answer. Sure. But. No, no, no. No, that's good. Um, and and one thing that I, I think that um, there seemed to be – you talked about uh, what happened under the Clinton administration that turned into basically if they – if the INS could de- – the INS would label you a danger to society. Now, that if you had a DUI, they could label you a, a, a danger to society and they would – lock you up and they would deport you if they could, but if they couldn't deport you, like if you were Cuban or, or I did a story um, when I first came to the city in 2000 about a Laotian immigrant who helped the United States uh, in the, in the, in the war in Laos. And, and so he was given asylum, but if he was sent back to Laos, he would have been, you know, he would have been, he's a political prisoner. So um, we've got these folks who, who couldn't be sent anywhere. And so that I think was the start of the, um, the, small county prisons and becoming these detention centers because they were making three times as much by taking yeah. an INS, a federal uh, 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 inmate as they, than they were having local inmates. And so a lot of places like the York County prison in York yeah. PA, they specifically built out to become an immigration, yeah. uh, an immigration holding facility. And there was an immigration court right there in the jail. And, yeah. um, and so now here we are, and that seemed to that seemed to be federal judges and immigration judges at some point started I think pushing back against that. And now there were people that were that were in fact the Laotian immigrant that I wrote about was released after you know it was brought to light uh, that he really wasn't a danger to anyone. And um, but then again, then the post nine eleven world, and then mm-hmm. again even as we get into the the Trump world. It just seems like it seems like we're taking steps backwards, and and, and oh, yes. I'm sure that's something that, that you're oh, seeing. Yes. Yeah, um, a couple of things uh, that you mentioned. Um, one is about the money, the yeah. flow of money. Um, this is all about the flow of money. Yeah. Um, the detention of immigrants uh, is driven um, in large part by um, private corporation, private prison corporations mm-hmm. that make a lot of money off this. Um, it is very difficult to communicate with um, someone once they've been detained because of just you can't even make a phone call without um, draining whatever money you did have right um, and just the the food that goes in and out the food that goes in uh, that's another private corporation and so um, and the prisons themselves so there's a lot of money going around um, another thing that I wanted to um, hit on um, oh no I lost it oh sorry <laughs> it's okay um but but that's uh, that they're always there's always somebody getting paid at the end of these things and, and that's why 
you know, they can say it's about safety. They can say it's about security or whatever, whatever they want to say. But at the end of the day, somebody's always, somebody's always making money at the end of this thing. And, and, and I, please correct me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm misspeaking. Um, but there have been, despite the fact that the Latino population in Pittsburgh is smaller than other major cities, we have seen an increase. Is that is? Am I? I'm not incorrect in that, right? We have seen an increase in um, ICE agents here and tr- and and cracking down on undocumented um, immigrants. Is that would that would that, would that be fair to say? Um, I I personally don't know. Um, yeah. Because I I've been doing this um, less than a year, just about a year now. Sure. Um, but it's a lot. It's disproportionate given yeah. how small the population is. Um, when I go down to ICE to accompany clients um, to their check-ins or um, hearings, or even when I go down when someone's been detained, um, the people that were detained that I get to speak to usually say that there's like seven, eight other people detained alongside them that are being processed. Right. And ICE works Monday through Friday. And so when you do that math, that's about like 35 per week. Yeah. And when you think how small the population is here in Pittsburgh, it's alarming. Yeah. Um, and when you think that every time they detain one person, you you I picture the the kids, you know, coming home from school and yeah. asking their mother where their father is. And then the mother um having to make really uncomfortable phone calls saying that she can't pay the bills um and they have to move out of their house because the father's in detention and the father has no prior criminal record. Right. He was just getting a ride from someone uh, that was detained and he was picked up alongside them. And um, because he didn't have any phone numbers memorized, uh, he wasn't able to contact the wife to let her know. And so sometimes it takes days and weeks before um, she uh, musters up the courage to, to call, make a lot of uncomfortable phone calls. And so every time one person's detained, you have to think about the family and everything behind that, um, that is just being destroyed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, and especially if, if you're, if, if you've just, if you had a spouse or someone who was, you, you, you realize either by you get, you get a call or you just realize the fact that they don't come home for a day or so you realize that something happened, you have to be, you're in the same situation. So you don't know whether you, are you going to be safe? Because then you have your children to take into account. Can you call somebody and risk the chance that, that the same thing is going to happen to you? And so that's where um, my job comes in yeah. as the emergency response organizer. Um, I hand out my business card like candy to pretty anyone and everyone that will take it um, yeah. because um, the emergency response number, um, I always answer um, and I never judge. You know, it's just we're yeah. here to support them. And um, we have a team of volunteer attorneys that are wonderful that drop what they're doing and they go down to ICE with me and we get all the information we can. Um, so that we can connect them with legal services and often housing and food um, and emotional support through this tough time. And you can find more information about Casa San Jose at casasanjose.org. Do you have some social media channels or do you, would you like to give that number? Yeah, I'd be happy to give the, the number is uh, 412-736-7167. And that number is both for uh, Latino community members, but also for allies. If they uh, if they think that they see an ICE detention or they know of someone that is in need in the Latino community, um, you can always call or text that number. And it's much better to contact us because we have experience in dealing yeah. with that than, um, than, sp- than posting on social media because um, – 
So the the goals of, of the goal of this administration, I mean, they've they've even said it, is yeah. to create fear so that new immigrants don't come over. And we know that that isn't working. Right. Um, what it is doing is um, creating anxiety within the community and not letting them live their lives to the fullest and not letting them pursue their happiness like they should be right. able to. Um, and so by by sharing on social media, um, especially if there's there aren't many details involved, it's spreading that fear, right. um, which um, really does affect the community. Right. It's hard for us white people to uh, right. to imagine what that's like, right? Um, when a police officer stops me, um, I I don't have the fear um, that a person of color does, and so there's no way that I can ever imagine what yeah. that's like. And so when someone's seeing the same thing, ISIS in Pittsburgh, ISIS in Pittsburgh posted on social media, um, it it's a gripping fear. Yeah. Let's talk about that, and I don't want to give it any more credence than it already got, yeah. but there was an incident in the last couple of weeks in which somebody posted on social media that they believed an undercover ICE agent was approaching people in a local grocery store to see if they were undocumented. So take me through something like that. Number one, how do you, how do you know, there are several things here. How do you know that, that somebody, I mean, is there a way to, to spot ICE agents? Um, and, and that instance, for example, was that, was that legitimate? And the fact is it just shouldn't have been put out to cause a, to cause a panic or was that maybe, you know, or do people sometimes, think that they're seeing something and they're putting it out there and then, then obviously causing a, a, a fear and a panic. Um, so how does that, how, how do, how do these things start? And, and is there a way for people to identify ICE agents? Sure. Um, so um, ICE agents in Pittsburgh, the ones that do the actual detention, because some, some ICE agents are, you know, are in the office, mm-hmm. um, but all ICE agents in Pittsburgh are male. Uh, they, look like an officer physically they're yeah. muscly uh short kind of crew crew cut uh yeah. like short hair um and they have two outfits <laughs> that they wear um one is khaki pants uh with an athletic or polo shirt mm-hmm. um and they usually have a gun on their uh on their hip um so that's one um and then the other and, and kind of Work slash athletic shoes, if that makes yeah. sense, mm-hmm. like movable work right. shoes. Um, and then the other is uh, they wear uh, a black vest uh, that looks like kind of a bulletproof vest. Um, and on the back, it says police in all capital letters. And then below it, it, it says ICE, um, which... I do want to kind of enter into uh, the tactic of even putting those words on the back of a vest. Um, police is a word that you can understand through many right. languages, right? It's one of the first words sure. that you learn, and it's a cognate in Spanish. Um, ICE officers don't operate like police officers. Right. Um, and so I think that's very intentional. Yeah. It, it's, it's meant to confuse. ICE is an acronym. Ice in Spanish, or ICE is cold water. Right. Um, it, it, they don't write immigration, Right, which right. is easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very intentional how they identify themselves, kind of again right. to create this fear and confusion. So um, uh, their vehicles, uh, the ones that they use to detain, um, are large SUVs, either black or metallic colors. Mm-hmm. Um, the Department of Homeland Security does have vehicles um, that are around Pittsburgh. Uh, I know there's a FEMA 
mm-hmm. which is under the Department of Homeland Security. I know there's one in Pittsburgh. It's often downtown. Yep. Um, and then, and it's a usually a white vehicle. It can be any many different kinds of vehicles with a uh, wide green diagonal slash. Yeah. Um, but it's not really important to know these because those vehicles don't detain people, is my understanding. Okay. Um, I have never seen that. Um, so those are more like investigations, and they do other things. But um, that's how you can identify them. Uh, now, when we talk about um, so Trump, Trump's tweet about how he was going to do, he was going to do raids and detain what millions right. of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we didn't really see that in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, one thing is that um, the Department of Homeland Security, um, I think it was an interview with the New York Times or with some um, media. Um, they identified 10 cities uh, that that was going to happen in, and it didn't happen. Right. <laughs> and even in those cities, yeah. um, Brooklyn, New York did a great job of communities uh, defending themselves yes. and not opening the door um, when ICE agents came to the door. In Pittsburgh, uh, the detentions don't ha- typically happen at, at the door um, because people know their rights now. <laughs> right. And they know to ask for a warrant signed by a judge with the correct information on it. Uh, what we're seeing is um, them... What they do is they um, watch the house for a day, figure out when the person leaves in the morning, and then they wait for them to leave and get about a block away from their house, either walking or in their mm-hmm. car, and that's when they detain them, um, which is very intentional um, because often if you're waving goodbye to your dad when he leaves for work, um, you know they wouldn't see that, Yeah, unfortunately, um, and so it creates less trouble for them. Yeah. Um, ICE compared to police, police's goal is to ensure that the area is safe before mm-hmm. they leave. That is not ICE's goal. Uh, and so they don't stick around. It's usually a 15-minute ordeal, and they're in and out. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's hard to see these happening. It's, right. it's my job, and I respond immediately, and I have yet to like arrive at the site of a, a, a detention that's still going on. So um, it... To my knowledge, no one um, witnessed in this recent time period any detentions um, because it's one, it's difficult, and I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Right. This is the Pittsburgh Current podcast, and we are talking with Laura Perkins of Casa San Jose. We're talking about immigration, we're talking about um, uh, the rights of immigrants and undocumented immigrants. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about here in just a second. But first, I want to talk about um, our sponsor, Chip Drop. Uh, Chip Drop helps gardeners get free mulch from local neighborhood neighborhood companies. Using local natural mulch in your garden is the best way to stop weeds and help your plants while saving money. You can sign up at chipdrop.com and that is, uh, they'll bring it, bring it to your house, uh, bring it to your house for you. Absolutely free. It's a, it's a, it's a good program. Check it out. Chipdrop.com. So, Laura, we, you talked a little bit. You mentioned a couple of things that I want, I want to kind of zero in on. Um, and one was warrants and things like that. But what um, – so, so what, what is a person's right when they are, when they are approached by, by ICE? Or, 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 and what, are, what is ICE's procedures in terms of do they need to have a specific warrant or can they just – because in the city of Pittsburgh um, and in Allegheny County – there are, there are non. I don't know if you wouldn't call it a non cooperation agreement, but there are policies put in place that that police are uh, are are not to um, uh, cooperate or 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 um, 
notify ICE agents, um, and they're not supposed to ask someone their citizenship. Um, and which I, which I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how much that is still going on, but, um, and then also that Allegheny County jail also has a policy of not accepting, um, uh, ICE prisoners. So talk to me a little bit, take me through some of that in terms of what rights do folks have and, and, and what is the, the policy and procedure to, to detain someone? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about uh, kind of the different police uh, yeah. forces. We So we do know your rights with community members and allies. Um, and that's something we always touch on mm-hmm. uh, because it really depends <clears throat> on where you are. Uh, when if a police uh, stops you on what ha- what happens with your immigration uh, situation, uh, Pittsburgh police, all six zones, uh, do not share information with ICE, um, and we haven't experienced that to be untrue. If that makes sense, we we can um, we. we haven't noticed that being untrue. Um, but the surrounding areas, uh, as you said, Allegheny County is very big and there are many police departments and townships. Um, not all are like that. Some, some are, um, but, um, we're, I'm in the process of going through each of them and documenting all of them and the information we don't have trying to get more so that we can pressure them. But I can tell you like Castle Shannon is horrible. Yeah. Um, like, and it's documented how bad right, it is yeah. It's in their policy. And it's, it's one thing to, um, have racist police officers that, you know, pull people over for minor infractions because of the color of their skin. But it's another thing to have it in your policy to say, oh, it's, if they don't speak English, that's a hint that they might not be documented. Right. Um, so that's definitely something. Um, you did mention Allegheny County Jail. Um, they, yeah, because of a settlement after a lawsuit with the uh, um, ACLU, mm-hmm. um, they are not, they can receive uh, hol- holders, detainers, ICE detainers, um, but they cannot contact ICE um, until the second the person is being released. Um, that's hard to measure. But they can. Well, they, so they can they can contact them mm. when they're being released. Okay, but the release process takes a while. The processing process takes sure. a while, and so that's that's kind of a shady area. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that we're we're trying to look into that and trying to make sure that it is enforced as uh, the settlement um, wrote it. So that is that is a policy born out of a lawsuit, whereas the police policy, I think, was some the city police policy. Yeah. With something more born out of leaders saying yep. we're not going to cooperate. That's I actually I actually was I actually didn't know that I was confused I was confused about that yeah. um, because it was presented to me when I asked for policies for our recent story yeah. that we that we recently did. Um, I was just given the policy and I read the policy. I'm like, oh, it says they won't cooperate. Yeah, yeah, it was not in there that they could be called immediately upon release. Yeah, that or, last or, or, page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that poor must must get cut off my email. <laughs> yeah. um, so there, so. Okay, so and what what about Allegheny County Police? Now I know that some some municipalities obviously have their own police departments. What about Allegheny County Police? Do they have a, a policy? I personally haven't read through all yeah. of it. Um, so there was a bunch of right to know requests, um, which is the um, more local version of the Freedom of Information mm-hmm. Act request um, submitted by um, law students at the Scheller School Temple's Scheller Law School or Scheller School of Justice, and they're, they're, they released 500-something pages on Allegheny County Jail that I haven't sifted through yeah. yet, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, it's, 
it, I'm sure it's a lot. Like it, it's, and now you, you guys, you know, you, you have, you know, there, we say that there's an, there's a, there's a organization here that is, that is helping and that is looking out for folks, but you're just one agency. You're just, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, however many you have on staff, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough for it, for everyone or for, for one organization to keep track of everything going on. So well, I guess then it falls on the community to sort of. Well, and yeah, um, one thing that really helps is we have lovely volunteers. Um, yeah. and there, there's a gentleman that's helping me out, um, just out of his own time, um, with this project. Um, because there, again, there are so many, um, area like Mount Lebanon, Fox Chapel, you know, there are just, there's so many areas around yeah. Pittsburgh that aren't within Pittsburgh police. And so, um, Casa San Jose is, um, so lucky to have a lot of volunteers. And if anyone wants to help us with this project, feel free to contact me. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding, right? And we can um, then use that information to lobby these local um, mm-hmm. townships and boroughs to um, really have a more um, human, like human rights approach to how they work. Um, and in my mind, human rights and ICE don't uh, correspond. <laughs> no, I, it's a Venn diagram I'm that's not one circle. Let's just say that. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> and so... What is I want to make sure that we that we don't miss this. I want to make sure we specifically ask this. So, what is someone's rights yeah. if they're if they're approached? And what is the what is the what is the now? We can't always say that the procedures are followed by ICE agents. Mm-hmm. But what are what what are the procedures? I mean, can they just stop and ask someone citizenship? Do they need a warrant of some kind? Walk me through that process. And what what rights do people have? Yeah. Um, so the three most important things that we tell them in any situation is. Um, if you uh, if you remain calm um, the, and avoid the situation escalating, that always helps, and that's mm-hmm. really true in most situations. Uh, the other is uh, they do have a right to remain silent, um, and they do have a right to um, to speak with their attorney. Um, unfortunately, in immigration court, you don't have a right to a free attorney, right. but at least you have a right to speak with your attorney or a an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are three things that apply across the board. Um, now, uh, in other it, it depends on the situation. Um, if you're with the, within a closed uh, building or vehicle, uh, that's when a warrant is needed, which is true with police officers as well. Um, for them to get in uh, to that building or vehicle, you need a warrant, and that warrant needs to be signed by a judge. Um, Im- immigration's a little different in this sense with other criminal justice, where um, the um, the judicial side, the the judges are in, under the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. but um, the Department of Homeland Security is different. So, an administrative warrant is signed by an agent, um, but a judicial warrant has a, the signature yeah. of a judge, and that warrant has to have the person's name spelled correctly. If it's not spelled correctly, it's not a valid warrant. And then, if it's a house or a business or any type of building, it needs to have that address on it, and that address has to be correct. Yeah. Um. So, um. That, so a warrant is needed for, again, like a, a private part of a business or a house or even a vehicle. They mm-hmm. need a warrant to search a vehicle. Um, and if not, that's trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> if, if the person says that they do not give permission uh, for them to enter then and they do forcefully, that's trespassing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if a door is slightly open, like if someone opens the door a crack to speak with them, um, that is considered an invitation to enter. Really? Uh, yeah. And so you 
there are a lot of videos uh, that you can see, mm -hmm. you, you can look up where um, that happens. You open the door a crack to say, who is it? Or, you know, you don't have a window in your door, so you want to see. Um, but they just push the door open. They just go in. Um, so what we tell uh, people is to ask them to show their identification in the window mm -hmm. or, under the, um, or under the door. And that's for the warrant as well. Um, when you ask who it is, they will usually say a federal agent. That's, right. that's how they identify themselves, which is confusing. Right. Um, so you can say, what kind of federal agent? Mm -hmm. What agency do you work with? Um, but again, this is all made pretty difficult when you don't speak English. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, so um, you can ask them to, to identify themselves, and they have to identify themselves as federal agents, as I said. Um, and one thing um, that we tell them is if there is a warrant, if it is valid, um, that person does have to present themselves if, if they are there. Right. Um, and the other people in the house do not have to. Um, and we know that under the Trump administration, ICE agents do collateral arrests, which is they don't just grab the person they're looking for. They grab everyone right. in the vicinity that they think might be undocumented. And so if a person in a, in a house uh, or in a car um, d fits that warrant and the warrant is valid, then they should say, I am coming out and I don't give permission for you to enter into this vehicle or, um, or building um, and I don't give you permission to um, go through my things. Um, and so they can go out um, and the other people that are in the house should be um, behind a locked door somewhere mm -hmm. else um, so that they can leave um, and the rest of the family or people in the house are still safe. Wow. Um, and before they do, they should make some phone calls, <laughs> some yes. quick phone calls. Um, to If they have an immigration attorney, they should call them. And if not, they can call the emergency response number and we'll jump into action. Give that number again. 412-736-7167. And, and what, what, what about someone who is having lunch across the street? You know, it, it, the people who are out in the open, is there some sort of probable cause that has to be that has to exist for and, and listen i may be told you maybe maybe there aren't you know sort of open air just sort of arrests or trolling or something like that um to see uh you know who might be an undocumented um immigrant um do we do we see that or do we see are there fishing expeditions i guess uh, for lack of a better word and and what what governs those in terms of who they can who they can detain or who they can Oh, I, I see. I, we've seen ICE uh, vehicles in Beachview. Yeah. Uh, because that's where most of the, or a large portion of the Latino population is. Um, and uh, we'll have community members take pictures of it and send it to me, and I'll go there um, to see if I can find them. And um, as an ally, and especially because I'm privileged due to like being uh, someone that looks under their minds innocent, right? Right, sure. Um, uh, I can, I approach them and I ask them what they're doing. Um, I'd like to see identification and why they're in the neighborhood. Um, and imply that they're not welcome. Yeah. Here. Um, but again, um, whenever we do advocacy work, our main, uh, priority is the security of those that are most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so for example, if I, you know, take a picture or record what they're doing and if there is any, um, undocumented person or even someone that doesn't feel comfortable around law enforcement near me mm -hmm. and I draw attention to them, um, I might be doing more harm than good. Yeah. Um, and, and then again, if I post it on social media and create this fear, that's another thing. So we have to be intelligent about how we document and then what we do with that information. And, and 
kind of going to what what allies can do or what other folks can do. We've seen some things recently, and I, I don't know where this happened. The story that I read recently, um, I showed up at a person's home, and the neighbors um, sort of surrounded the yeah. vehicle, and they blocked the home and so forth. So talk about something like that. So is that something that, that folks can do legally? Now, if they were to do that, if police were there to serve a warrant or something like that, and, and folks were to do that, I'm guessing there'd be a lot of handcuffs and so forth pulled out. That didn't happen in this case. What is sort of, what is ISIS jurisdiction in, in something like that? Uh, like wh- whether they can arrest an ally. Yeah, or whether they can sort of push their, like, why didn't they push their way through to execute that warrant or, or you know, do blockades or some things like that, um, interference? Do, can, do they help? And is that, is that a safe thing to do? Um, so every situation is different. And I think, um, as we mentioned before, it really depends on where it is mm-hmm. um, and how the police, the local police, cooperate uh, with ICE. Um, so if you're in a more rural area, um, typically we see that more r- urban area, I mean, the rural urban, uh, there's yeah. so many differences. Right, sure. um, and one of them is that we typically see that ICE or police cooperate with ICE more in rural areas. Sure. And so, um, but anyway, um, so you have to take that into account, right? Are the police on their side? Um, and it's it's really your decision as an ally if you want to risk that. But I would again reiterate that um, you, I mean, you could get arrested uh, for um, preventing an arrest. Um, and I, I think that it should be very calculated. And I, I don't think that anyone should ever do that without consulting the most vulnerable person vulnerable person in that situation yes um so i don't think that um as privileged people we should decide what they need right um and so i think that the situation that you're referring to i think that that situation started with um someone saying hi to their neighbor yeah um and just kind of a starting a conversation maybe breaking bread together um and you know helping to mow each other's lawn and and creating a relationship with them such that when this happened, the allies were legitimately pro- worried mm-hmm. for the people that they cared about. And so even, it's, it's easy to say, oh, no, I care for my you know immigrant neighbors. But if you don't know them, um, how do you know their vulnerabilities? How right. do you know someone needs to pick up their kid from school? Um, so I think that that's more important than jumping into action um, and putting yourself and maybe other people at risk yeah. when I, I think that the relationships and the, you know, asking how their family is, I think that goes a longer yeah. way personally. This is the Pittsburgh Current Podcast and we are wrapping up today with Laura Perkins of Casa San Jose. I don't think we should wrap up because we have probably a thousand other things that we could <laughs> talk about, but um, just sort of in, in the last few minutes, Laura, I'm going to kind of throw it to you. What, what, to kind of talk about some things that, that people might want to know or some things that you guys are doing at Casa San Jose that you want to, you want to get out there. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on some rhetoric. Um, so, um, the term, uh, raid, um, versus detention. Yeah. Uh, so raids typically happen with larger groups and, um, of people that are going, that are, they're trying to detain. And also they bring a lot of agents, um, to make that happen. Um, the raid in um, Kentucky recently and yeah. the, um, the chicken processing plants, that that was a large, large raid. But a, a raid can be um, in an apartment building or um, uh, a workplace usually. Um, we don't typically see raids in Pittsburgh at, as much. Um, what we see in Pittsburgh are detentions. And that's um, when, you know, usually about four ICE agents detain between one and four or five um, 
uh, people. So that's one thing. And yeah. then um, you've been using this term, great, um, but it's always good to reiterate um, the term illegal uh, to refer to a person. Um, right. So no one can be illegal. Um, their status can be illegal, um, but what they are is undocumented. Right. They don't have the documents to have a legal status here. Um, so just wanted to kind of touch on those two things. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so just finally, what, what do you, where, where do you see, do you see, when do we get change? I guess when, when do we see sort of an end to this? Does it take, um, does it take next year's election probably? Or, 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 you know, what do you see kind of in the, in the future as, as, as we're going right now, how do you see this, continuing in the future this is a very very long-term uh, yeah. fight um like i said uh immigration policy was established on ri- white supremacy yeah a long long time ago when the borders were created and even before the borders yeah. were created um so i don't see this as a short this being solved short term but there are many short-term things that we can do and like i said it starts with saying hi to your neighbor yeah um but there are also a lot of policies that we're working on uh we have a campaign to get driver's licenses for all so that um, if someone is pulled over or if someone is involved in an accident, um, they don't have to leave as the victim because they're scared about being detained by mm-hmm. ICE um, because this targets victims as well, which is right. just horrible. And so we're part of a driver's licenses for all campaign. Um, we're trying to help um, our youth um, get access to loans and um, grants for going to university Um we're working on police policy, and um, we're trying to get Governor Wolf to shut down a family detention center that is in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, so there are absolutely short-term and middle-term things that we can focus on in addition to the horrible things that are happen happening due to the fluctuations in U.S. Uh, national politics. Laura Perkins, thank you so much for being with us today, and you can check out org for more information. And this has been the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. And uh, check out pittsburghcurrent.com. We will have uh, updated and new uh, news most daily, most days. And um, please check out our Kickstarter. Uh, bring back Brood on Grant on kickstarter.com. And uh, have a great week. A better alternative Giving Pittsburgh A better alternative This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.